Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 277. Pinky's out, Albert. Pinky's out. <laughs> I I am not all that proper, Julius. I'm sorry. Well, we're going to work to get some in- proper English refinement into you, Albert. <laughs> all right. Well, we shall try. We shall try. Because today we're we're back to the table with a classic game. <laughs> Very classic. <laughs> yeah. This is way back in episode uh, 80, in, uh, 2015. Seven years ago we talked about it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. A lifetime in podcast time. And then some. <laughs> so yeah, this, this is a classic game. It is a, a game about being a maid. Uh, and finding out that you have 15 minutes to get ready for for your uh, your boss's tea party. She's invited somebody mm-hmm. over for tea, and you got to get things ready, and it better be perfect. And this is a solo-only game. <laughs> yes, a solo game, which is inspired by a multiplayer game. Um, Elevensies. Elevensies, yes, which I've never played Elevensies. I really don't know much about it. I assume it's just I like Elevensies for one, but not as good. I have no I idea about it. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It sounds interesting. If it plays like Elevencies for one, I think it'd be pretty neat. I don't know if it does or doesn't. It is, I by the way, designed... I have no idea how you would even begin to do Elevencies for uh, one for multiplayer. I don't... Yeah, I don't know. It's designed by David Harding, by the way, um, which has made a series of Elevencies games, right? There's the original Elevencies, Elevencies for one, and a newer one that was just kickstarted recently. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, like... 11 C's High Society or something like that's called. Hmm. And it is one through five or six players. And it, that is all I know about it again, but same universe. I believe you're a different mate in that one. So anyway, that, that's enough. I will note uh, that for my purposes also, it has a digital version as well. There's an Android app yes. that was released that pretty well recreates the original game yes and it's an android only app which kind of limits it for for some people but that's okay works for me works for julius that's what matters really right indeed (laughs) it works for me that's all i care about that's right yeah so i mean we don't necessarily go back and go through all the mechanics when we do a back to the table show right um we don't really tell people that they should go back and listen to the old episode you're welcome to of course but this is such a short game, we may as well tell you what it's like. Um, right? It's an 11, it's a 13 card game. This is a really small game. You're able to get it as. Well, I feel like this is the precursor of the Button Shy games, just with really small card kind game of games. Just is about, isn't actually, the Button Shy is about that old too. But anyway, so it's a 13 card game. Um, it's available as a PMP. You can buy a print copy from Eagle Griffin Games in their Egg Game series, or you could get the app. Those are the three options I know of. Um, it's a 13-card game. Two cards are used to keep track of the turns. The num- the rest of the cards are numbered 1 through 11. Number 1 represents the trolley that you're going to put all the stuff on for the tea party. And 2 to 11 are all the things you need to put on the, tr- on the trolley to take it out for the for the party. Um, or for the social. It's not a party the way I picture a party. So the way you do it is all you got to do is get the cards on the trolley in order from 1 up through 11. Um, 
Just how I picture a party. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. With your fingers up? Yes. Exactly. (laughs) It's a very English party. Yes. I'm not very English. I'll admit it. I've never been there even. But um, anyway, so so you have your 10 cards that you need to put onto the trolley. You're going to shuffle them up, lay them in, in a line from left to right. And then each card in order, you have to either choose to play it and activate its power. If it is the next number in line to go on the cart, so if at the beginning of the game, if it's a two, you could also then put it on the cart after having played it for its power. Or the other second thing you could choose to do is you could discard the card and not have any consequences whatsoever. Other than the fact that it's discarded. Then, yes. That feels like a consequence to me. It feels like a consequence, but it's actually a great thing. <laughs> it often, you do it because it's a good thing. The... And when I say you play the card, there's there's a couple of things that happen, right? You play the card, you flip it over, or you put it onto the trolley. You do whatever effect it says on the card, and then you advance the timer. You have 15 minutes to get ready. Each card is generally one minute of time. If you if you use a card, if you flip a card and you don't put it in the trolley because it's just not the next number, you're kind of wasting a minute, which is unfortunate. Ideally, every time you're just putting a card and straight into the card, but that's not going to work out because you just shuffled your your ten cards, right? So you don't know what order they're in. It's random. Well, yeah, I mean, you random. do know what order it's in. You well, yes, yeah, you see it won't have it all, all be visible. right. Yeah. So the gameplay comes in. What makes it interesting is the ability on the cards. Each card has a different effect. Number two, for example, says flip any other card in the line. If a card is flipped over, you will just skip over it when you get to it. So you could use it to to skip cards that are going to be annoying or you're not ready for it. So let's say the first card was that in line happened to be the number two. Fantastic. You play it to the trolley and you do its action. Say the next card in line is the six and you don't really want the six. Well, you could flip that one over from the two's effect and then jump onto the, the third card in line. And then you could choose to either play it or discard it. Other cards have different effects. Some of them flip cards, a, a couple of rearrange cards. Some mess with the discard pile. The number four is evil that it takes two minutes, not just one. And, and each card is different. Once you go through the whole line of cards... Assuming you get that far, because number six is a reshuffle. You're going to take all the cards on the line, shuffle them together, and lay out the line again. Leaving anything in discard alone. You keep playing this way until either you run out of time, or you get everything onto the trolley. Uh, hopefully all that made sense. It's a simple enough game, and it's a super fast game, right? It's like five minutes. Maybe a little more to play. I mean, the Not box much. rates it up being an 11-minute game. <laughs> well, I don't know if I believe that. That that sounds kind of long. The box says it's only for ages eleven plus and only, and it takes eleven minutes to play. <laughs> and it's for one player. I kind of think they were just going for all ones. Possibly. And tea time is at eleven. It's eleven Z's. That's that's what it is. It's it's a very lighthearted game, not to be taken seriously. I mean, the theme is so silly. It's a cute theme. Um, but it's you know it's kind of silly. Do we want to go through our normal stuff? Not necessarily, right? I mean, I don't. It's it's been seven years. It's very likely that some people may not have heard all of our comments on it from before. So we probably should. And I don't remember all the comments on it from before. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I mean, so I kind of gave you a summary, and I kind of went through the gameplay. We didn't talk about the rules. I will say I find the rules confusing. 
I did the first time I played it years ago, and I found it confusing again when I brought it back out to play it. They're not that hard to explain. I think I did a decent job of explaining it, even on an audio podcast. But for some reason, the, the written ones are confusing. And I think it's just because the concept of playing every single card and discarding and then taking things out from your discard just, I don't know, it's just not intuitive, maybe. I think that for me, the reason why it's not intuitive is because rather than writing the rules, it writes it as a flowchart. Mm-hmm. And that's not the most intuitive way to write rules. I think it would have been better if it maybe split it up into phases and then said, here's one of three things you can do with the cards. You can either score it, fail to score it, or just discard it. And it eroded in a weird way. So I grant you that. The game is relatively simple that you can get through it, but I don't know why they made it the way they made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after a couple plays, you got it. And if you have any questions, you could go to the BGG forums and there's answers there. Now, when you say it's a flowchart, do you mean like a, a drawn flowchart, like an actual flowchart looking flowchart? The rules version that I have is, yes. Oh, okay. The one I have, so I have the Eagle Griffin game version. Oh. Um, and the rules are written out. Hang on, I opened the app to look at it and started playing music. Yeah. Um, it does have how to play step one, shuffle, step two, step three, score the card or discard the card or use the card and all that. So it goes through and explains all that. I, I don't know what I found so confusing about the rules. I just do know that I had trouble this time and last time, but again, it doesn't matter. It's a very simple game. You're going to spend five or six minutes to play the first time, possibly be a little frustrated if you don't get it, but your second or third game, you're, you're breezing through it. So it's, it's not at all hard to learn. Okay. Shall we talk about the components? Yes. Uh, okay, so... There's a whole lot of components to talk about. <laughs> All 13 cards and the rule book. So I, like I said, I have the physical copy. It's got a printed rule book. It's a, it folds out. It's what, like one, two, three, four, five, six pages. But so the Eagle Griffin version of the game is actually brings two games in the box. It brings 11 C's for one and uh, Solitaire or Bowling Solitaire by Sid Well, hey, no fair talking about a game that I haven't played. Oh, you haven't played that one? I have not you played Bowling Solitaire. You should play. It's a good game. You could it's, you could just use a, a regular deck of cards. You just need a twenty cards for that one, numbered one through ten. But surprisingly I, good. When we reviewed it the first time, I had printed off a copy of the game, but mm-hmm. this time I did not print off a copy of the game. There is a print to play available, as you mentioned. Um, so I did not print off a copy. I just used the app this time. But I definitely know what the cards look like and the art on them. In my opinion, is just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do like the art a lot. It's a, like it's like a pencil style. drawing with watercolor. Um, it just looks really nice. Really, really well done. What do you think about the method of the turn tracker that they use, that it's just a slide-in card? I'm not a fan of that too much. I find it a little bit fiddly to use because it's 15 spaces in a small card. So it's easy if you just nudge it slightly to lose your place. I, I kind of wish it's it's... It's a big enough card. Maybe you could have made two columns and made the spaces wider or something. But it doesn't really matter a whole lot. It's, it's not a big game. It's it's not a huge deal. I think I've only had trouble a couple times. And when that's happened, I just start over. With my print-to-play, I so much didn't like that card sliding me- mechanism that I just printed 15 cards. And I had a 10-card deck that was all spread out. And then 15 cards stacked. And when I wanted to do one, I would... Literally flip it over one to the other. Yeah, that makes that's a good idea. And you know, there's so many ways to do it. You could use counters, you could do do whatever. It's definitely easy. So the 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 version it brings I don't like, but here's the thing, right? With 13 cards, you're able to print four copies. Like if you go to like a website like Arts Cow that you could print a deck of cards, 
that gives you four copies of the game exactly, right? Because the decks are usually 54 cards. The 52 mm -hmm. plus the two jokers. And that's what I did when I got my copy originally. I printed out four sets and then I gave three away. Mm -hmm. The the version I have, the quality of the cards, they're like a screen printed or, you know, they have that texture, linen finish, I guess. And I found it really frustrating, actually. Extremely frustrating to a point where I probably would not have kept playing it if I didn't have sleeves for it. You're talking about the published version. The published version, because they're super hard to shuffle. I just could not get the cards separated. They kind of stuck together. They're, they're just really challenging to shuffle. Once I got the sleeves, it became so much easier. Really, I would have stopped playing after about 10 plays. But because I got the sleeves, I kept going. I find that's true for a lot of print-and-play type games, and I'm surprised mm -hmm. that the published version has that same issue. Yeah, and it's only because it's such few cards, right? You know, if it was a bigger deck, like what I actually yeah. did if, before I got the sleeves, I just started shuffling it with the Bowling Solitaire cards together. I just shuffled all 30, 30 cards. And then when I started dealing them out, and that's pretty easy to shuffle. When I started dealing them out, I just discarded the Bowling Solitaire cards just to find the other ones. And so by sticking in there a bunch of cards, it, it became easy to shuffle and get everything mixed well. Yeah. So, you know, I had a solution for it, but the, the sleeves work much better. And they're not standard uh, card size sleeves, like a magic size, right? They're, I think, more like playing card size. So they're a little smaller, but they're, you know, they're pretty normal size. Anyway, so it's not hard to find sleeves for it. The card quality is good. It's just hard to shuffle. So there's components. Um, in terms of solo play, or any play for that matter. I mean, yeah. it is only solo play. <laughs> yeah. The I mean I like the game a lot. I find it really fun. It's super easy to play. It's it only takes a couple minutes. So every time I've played it, I've played it two or three times in a row at least, and then put it away and I'm satisfied. It it is very puzzly figuring out the right combination of things to do. Like last week we talked about um or a few weeks ago. So you've been eating it and how puzzly that was. Um, when you're playing, trying to figure out the right combination for the minor with your dice. This, I think, has a similar kind of feel where you're puzzling out. Okay, if I discard this card and then the next card gets played, I could shit, flip over the other two cards and then get this card and then swap that and do this. And, and you know, it's, it's very it's very methodical and, and thought out when you're playing the game. It can be. Actually, it kind of needs to be if you're going to do well. Exactly. There's a lot of thought that goes into this. And in order to really do well, you have to be keeping in your head a complex set of turns of how you're going to move things around to be able to get through that whole line. 15 turns is really, really limited because there's you're going to use at least 11 of them just scoring, which mm -hmm. you only get four extraneous uses and that's if you want to just sneak by a win and not get any higher score if you want to just sneak by a win you only have four extra activations that you can do over the course of the entire game yep. that's really really tight which means that you have to use the discard mechanic you have to use the mechanics that you're that you have available to you really well i don't know that every setup is solvable. I'm not good enough to win this game the majority of the time. <laughs> when you say solvable, you mean like just to win period or to win really well? Just to win period. Is it okay. every single? I, I don't, I doubt it. No, I don't think it is. We could probably figure it out easy enough by coming up with a combination that proves I'm that. Sure I don't know. A computer can do it, but I can't. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's always solvable. And that, to me, 
is a little bit, it may not, I don't remember if it was frustrating to me last time, but at this point it feels more frustrating to me to have to work with something that doesn't feel like it's always solvable. That feels so tight. I can keep track of everything, but when I sit and look at it for 10 minutes and then just be like, I have sat here <laughs> staring at it and I still don't have a solution. At that point, I'll just start plugging at things and see what happens. And then I'll get halfway through the game. I'm like, well, I'm not winning. Can I go <laughs> overtime a little and at least like maybe see how late I get or just know I lose or see how many I get on the tray. Like, no, I just lose. At least in the app, if it's, if you just, if you lose, you just lose and that's it. And to me, that's a little more frustrating just in terms of the difficulty of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, so I'm looking at the BGG app where I've been recording my plays and it says I've won a lot of the games. When I actually look at my scores, they're not winning scores. So, uh, I don't what know does how that mean? Winning. So to win, you got to have that trolley ready by eleven o'clock. So right. at the very latest, la- at least you have to have the eleventh card on the trolley at eleven. So what scores are you showing that win? So the way this app works, when you put in a score, whoever has the highest score is considered to be winning. So if I put in a score of one, it says, "Oh, you're winning, Albert." So so it calls it a win. So I have to remember to uncheck the win flag after I put in the score. That does not <laughs> sound like a very solo-friendly app. The app? Eh, you know, it is what it is. It it does a pretty decent job. It serves my needs. But um, but anyway, so yeah. So, and the way the scoring works is you have to get everything by 11. If you do, you've won the game. Your score is basically how much time you have left. So if you finished at 11, that's zero, zero minutes, um, plus the highest number in the card, which if you finish is an 11. So the lowest winning score is an 11. If, if I if I missed by one card, if I had 10 cards at 11, my score would have been a 10. The highest score you could get, like we said, is a 15, which is all 11 cards with four minutes to spare. And I like the rubric says, what does it say here? Uh, you have shown your worth if you get score 14 or 15 points. Lady Agatha raises your wages. Finish with four minutes of spare, and that happens. If you finish with a 12 or 13 points, Lady, Lady Agatha congratulates you and rewards you with a half day off. <laughs> I, I just love the uh, th- this theme. It's so, it's so light and so silly. It's pretty refreshing, honestly. It's it's a great game. It's not deep. Um, it's not going to get a lot of playtime just because it's so fast, but I've in the last three days, just getting for this ready for the show, I've played it about 15 times. I don't think it's that great of a game, personally. Really? I like it. Because I, like it I want a game where I'm doing things and, and moving stuff around. I don't want a game that sticks me in analysis paralysis while I sit here calculating all my potential ways of winning and solving. I'd like to mess with the puzzle and start trying to do stuff rather than having to sit here and think about how to have to do it. Mm, okay. I, I want to be more active with my plays. And I don't feel active with it. I don't really spend that much time thinking about it. I pretty much just start right away and saying, can I flip the, can I, can I get this card? Yes or no. And start discarding or not. And maybe that's why my win rate is not as high as the app makes me think it is. But, (laughs) you know, I, I find, I find the process of flipping the cards and puzzling out the combinations very satisfying, especially when, when I do get it right and I win. Whether it's, you know, right on the time or, or, or with a couple minutes to spare. 
I, I do find that very satisfying. And because it's so so fast, I mean, I think that's what makes it interesting. It's a fair amount of thinkiness for a really tiny and rather simple game. Mm. Now, we mentioned that there's three versions, right? So the, the print-and-play one's free, of course. The Android app, or I guess it's as free as you want it to be. The Android app is $0.99, cents, and the the Eagle Griffin version is, I think, like $11, $10.99 or something like that. And you get this, and, and it says Bowling Solitaire. Stiff competition between those three prices. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all decent. It sounds like a lot for 11 cards, but, you know, it's... It's about it's a little bit cheaper than an eighteen card game from Buttonshy, so and you get the the uh bowling solitaire, which it's worth talking about that a little bit. Just you know, we should mention it. Plus we got time, I think. It okay. is it is a small game. It feels surprisingly a lot like bowling, in that you're playing ten frames and there's your ten pins laid out and you have the bowling balls and you're gonna shoot and hopefully hit all the cards and get a strike, but if you don't, you get a second ball. And you score for each frame how many cards you've knocked out or eliminated. Um, so it feels rather bowling-like. It feels like a day out bowling. Um, and the game is actually played often on the one-player guild. If you go look at the monthly challenges, there's bowling solitaire challenges. So if you get the eleven, the legal Griffin version, you'll be able to join the challenges and play those. Though honestly, you could do that with just a standard deck of cards. And they, I think it it sounds weird bowling and eleven Z's for one and T, but they actually both work. Is I think they're both thinky where you're puzzling out the move because in bowling solitaire, you have cards face up for your for your bowling ball, and you have a bunch of bowling pin cards that they all have numbers, and you're trying to figure out the right combination of bowling ball cards to use to to knock down the pins, hopefully really well enough to get a strike or, or at least a spare or something, and it's. It's not the same kind of puzzle, but it's a similar thinking about it. You know, now if I do this and this, and I could do that later, kind of thing. So it's an interesting combination. I, I would, I would recommend looking for that. I don't have much to say on that one. <laughs> yeah, you should try it. <laughs> you should. I will strongly it consider out. it. All right, even even if a uh, just get a deck of cards, a standard. Uh, because that's originally, you know, this was created by Sid Saxon. It was originally in uh, the Gamut of Games, which is a, a book he published that had a bunch of little tiny games. I don't think they're, they weren't all solitaire, but they're all pretty simple games. And if I remember right, a lot of them were just played with decks of cards or, or other basic components. And it was a book of, I don't know how many games he had in it, that games that he had come up with and published. And this was one of them. Actually, I covered that book way back in episode 30, 33 or so, back in 2013. I don't it's know a, that we'll be a, doing it for back to the table, though. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's it's worth if you find that book, it's worth picking up just for the introduction. I found the introduction really interesting, seeing the, the history, his gaming history and the way he went looking for games and playing games and how much he was into the the idea of games and the whole process of discovering them. It was, it was a satisfying read. Well, I think that being said, Albert, I think that the T-bell is ringing. It's time for us to be going. All righty, well, let's go enjoy. Have a good night, everyone. Enjoy Levensies. All right, bye bye.
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.